Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Sanditon. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We're proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley and email us any questions at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title from Priscilla Oliveira's Island Affair. USA Today bestselling author Priscilla Oliveira's launches a new series set in Key West and filled with humor, Latinx culture, and fun family dynamics perfect for summer beach reading. When her flaky boyfriend ditches her on her family's vacation, social media influencer Sarah Vance recruits a Cuban firefighter paramedic, Luis Navarro, to play her fake fiancé so she can maintain the image of her picture-perfect life. A Rita Award double finalist, Priscilla Oliveros is a USA Today best-selling author with a strong brand known for writing sweet and sexy romances infused with Latinx culture. Romantic comedies, particularly romantic comedies written by women of color, have exploded in popularity, making the release of this series even more timely. You can find Island Affair by Priscilla Oliveros wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to what I'm kind of sad to say is our final Sanditon episode of the Pemberley podcast. Yeah, we're so used to covering web series with over 70 to 100 episodes, so this is new for us when it feels like we just started and we're done so quickly. I know, I was actually on the phone with my dad the other day, and I was like, this is so weird. I'm used to it taking a year and a half to get through a show. (laughs) And it's only been a couple of weeks. I know. But my goodness, so much happens in this final episode. I mean, so much happened in episode seven. So like all of those loose ends get tied up in a way in this last episode. You know, there's a lot that happens. So the PBS official logline for the final episode of Sanditon is, it is the night of the midsummer ball and romance, jealousy, and betrayal fill the air. I feel like whoever wrote these started to get like real fun with them at the end because these have been planting more intrigue i think uh, as they go on of the idea that the atmosphere of sanditon is made up of nitrogen oxygen romance jealousy and <laughs> betrayal <laughs> Yeah, so previously, we are coming off of really Sydney kind of confessing his feelings towards Charlotte. Really, he was like deciding not going to London with Eliza, the ex, staying in Sanditon, and I'm, he maybe sort of has feelings for Charlotte. I mean, he basically approached her alone at night and was like, hi, I just want to let you know that I feel like I'm myself when I'm with you and I'm going to take my leave now. Yeah, and <laughs> walk away. And walk away with like your hands in the air like we're at a bank robbery. And so we're definitely coming off of this and Charlotte not really knowing what to do with this information because, you know, I think it's the closest Sydney will come to declaring his love for her. He, she goes to Georgiana just to have some girl talk and just talk this through and it's not not going as planned. <laughs> yeah, because there's really no one, Charlotte. Again, she has like no confidant in Sanditon. The closest person that she got to was Lady Susan, who like is really just there for all the gossip and like was giving some good advice, trying to make sure like Charlotte knows, no, you you are worthy of someone like Sydney. But really, there's no one like in her day to day who she can go to and ask for advice. You aren't in love with him. Please say you are not. I 
You cannot trust a word he says. This whole time, you know, they've kind of been on the same side of I hate Sydney Parker. And Georgiana realizes like, oh, wait, she loves the guy. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because this whole time Charlotte has been an ear for everyone else in their problems. Like she helped her through the whole Otis debacle, even before it turned into a weird kidnapping situation. And now Charlotte kind of doesn't have anyone that she can confide in or just sort of go to with like, hey, I don't know what to do with these feelings. Yeah, because I mean, the, the thing that they leave on is Georgiana telling her like, you can't trust anything he says, which like are just like more question marks for Charlotte, because we don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. We just know, I mean, we know from Georgiana's perspective that, like, she doesn't trust Sydney for her reasons, but we don't get the full backstory. <laughs> Even no, in this in episode, fact, we never get the answer. It's weird because Sydney just, we're sort of coming off of him rescuing her from getting kidnapped from London. So after all that, she's still pretty anti Sydney. Which, like, what happened? You know, know. what happened in Antigua? <laughs> I know. We sh I, I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never it's gonna know. Go. We gotta make up our own answers. It'll be unaddressed unless there's a season two. <laughs> Which, I mean, we will acknowledge. I mean, there's a very strong Save Sanditon and Sanditon season two campaign still ongoing. Definitely props to those fans who are staying strong. Keep it going. Yeah. Maybe in this episode, though, we're going to keep theorizing what would have happened. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, hey, maybe you and I, the Pemberley podcast, could be Sanditon season two theoreticals, and we can just be the go-to place for all theoret- like, every wild theory you had about what could have or should have happened, you can take to us. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure there's fan fiction we can dive into. Oh yeah, let's look into that. So again, with the last, with episode seven, things kind of jump around real quickly. We have a lot of different storylines that we need to wrap up and we only have 40 minutes. So there's so much that happens. We kind of get like quick glimpses into everyone's life. One of the main things that happens is Stringer had applied for this apprenticeship and he actually is getting offered that apprenticeship in London. And this is something, you know, he has been striving for. His father wasn't always the most supportive of it. You know, his father wanted him to just be happy with what they have and be happy with the position and, and their status, even though it's not like a gentleman. But he wanted more than that. And he's achieving it, which is really great for him. Just to stay on the stringer track for a bit, because I know it jumps around a lot. Yeah. Uh, he does have that talk with his dad of being like, so I got the job, I got the apprenticeship. And his dad's like, oh, so we really weren't good enough for you this whole time. You know, he kind of got glimpses of that from his dad before. Like, why are you wasting candles? Why are you wasting your time with all your drawings? But this should be such a proud moment between father and son of getting to share this accomplishment but his father's just too proud and they just can't come together in this not what should be a nice moment and unfortunately they leave on like the worst terms possible well off you go then don't you worry yourself i am going and soon enough i'll have left santa and i won't spare a moment's thought for the selfish miserable old man i left behind this is a really sad and like unexpected part of the episode because stringer's father is very old school he was like i was born here i worked here i'm gonna die here and he thinks that stringer's like wanting to get out of sanditon and he thinks that like he's better somehow that he thinks of himself as like too good for sanditon too good for his family too good for everything that he has 
And that's not how Stringer sees it at all. I think he's like very grateful for the upbringing that he's had, but he wants to like be a self-made man and he he wants to be an architect. And like, I think it's like really smart of him to go out and like find an opportunity like that. The thing is with Stringer, he's not just like trying to go off and do his own thing. It's like he's building upon what his dad did set up for him, you know? He set him up with like this great job and, and Stringer's just kind of taking it and kind of continuing to build off that. But his father just sees it as like, you're throwing it all away. Like all this, everything that we built here, we could continue to build or you could continue to just be and be happy with what you have. They leave on very angry terms and it's not fun. I was just about to say, it's not fun times. <laughs> <laughs> no. Jinx. Well, we're very happy for him. Later on, we'll see Charlotte very happy for him as well. Do we think that his crush on Charlotte had something to do with him wanting to sort of better himself and like bring more into his life? Well, that's the point that dad brings up. He's like, you're doing this for Charlotte, aren't you? I think without Charlotte pushing him, he wouldn't have applied for the apprenticeship in the first place. I mean, the father has a point, I guess, in that sense of like, he probably would have always been happy with what he has. But maybe with like a little push and a little shove from Charlotte, he did start to be like, oh, maybe I do want and deserve more than what I have here. But I mean, Stringer had also been like doing that stuff on his own anyways. He was drawing on his own and he was trying to present new ideas to Tom Parker on his own. But maybe the idea of like outside of Sanitan was something new to him from Charlotte. Be true. Meanwhile, at the Denim residence, Esther and Lady Denim are kind of a pair now. Esther has not left. I think she moved out when she was packing at the end of episode seven. I think she was leaving Edward's house and moving in with Lady Denim. I don't fully know what the living situation is, but I think she was just there. Just it could have been cleaning or tidying up a room. Who knows? It's whatever. Um, She's at Lady Denim's mansion now. Lady Denim and Esther are now like new pals and getting to know each other in a new way because previously it was always like clouded by greed and a deceitfulness and now it's kind of like well everything's out in the open i know who you are you know who i am <laughs> let's just get to know each other kind of yep. deal and then uh, none other than babington stops by to uh, ask esther out on a little open air carriage ride yeah and then you know because lady denim's like i'm not gonna let you say no again to this boy <laughs> she makes her go out and they actually have a really nice time. They're having fun. They're laughing. They're smiling. The music is happy. Esther is free, you know? She's have she's allowing herself to be happy right now in this moment. Does she fully think she deserves it? Not quite, but she's getting there. I like that a sort of symbolic step that she takes is uh she quite literally takes the reins from Babington and like she's driving the carriage. Look at that symbolism. Look at that symbolism. Just so beautiful. <laughs> so perfect. Literally taking the reins. And he's fine with it and he's having a good time too. So when she is talking to Lady Denim later, she's talking about how the reason why she maybe she rejected Babington in the first place was that she doesn't feel she deserves him. She also feels like the feelings he has for her are just way stronger than what she'll ever have for him. They're starting to get to know each other on a deeper level between Lady Denim and Esther. And Lady Denim is sharing her stories of like when she met someone before her husband, someone she was in love with and who didn't didn't really give her the time of day or like 
barely gave her any hints of love. On the other hand, you have Babington who is like just very clearly just conveying all these feelings to Esther and it's her continuing to remind Esther like, just marry him. Go with what you think is right because you're clearly not thinking right right now. <laughs> I mean, keep in mind, this was also in a time when marriage wasn't necessarily about love. In this time, marriage was very much transactional. And I feel like the idea of like also being in love with your spouse was kind of a new concept. And so I think to Lady Denham, Esther's not making any sense when she's like, but I'll never love him as much as he loves me. She's like, and he's rich and he wants you and no one else has wanted you. And it's also a huge plus if this guy loves you more than you love mm-hmm. him because he'll always be chasing after you. Like, good for you. Like, take this. Take this and run. Yeah, she's trying to share the wisdom of her gears with Esther, but Esther's not fully convinced yet. So at this point, Sydney stops by the Parker house to go meet up with Charlotte. Or not really meet up with her, but he very discreetly uh, tries to, like, ask her out for a walk. Because he's like, oh, I just stopped by to say I'm going into town if uh, anyone else, like you, Charlotte, wants to also go into town. And she's like, yes, I have to go into town. <laughs> and so I, I have a dress they, fitting and I, I need to go into town. Mary's right. Like, oh, and the, whatever. Because <laughs> everyone, I just love how everyone is so oblivious to anything happening between Charlotte and Sydney, except for Lady Susan, because she knows everything. It's funny to me because something that I think about more than I should is years and years ago, John Green made this video talking about how he first asked his wife out. And it was like he emailed a group of his friends, including Sarah, his wife, like, hey, does anyone want to go to the movies this weekend? And then he emailed his other friends who weren't Sarah and said, not you. And that's how it started. Uh, yep. And that's what this reminds me of. Just like, hey, does uh, anyone want to go on a walk into town? And like, if someone had been like, oh, yeah, I did. Not you. I know. Imagine if Mary was like, actually, I do need to go into town. Let's You'd be go. like, nope. No, you don't. That can wait. I'll get it for you. <laughs> So they go on this walk. Charlotte soon realizes, uh, we are nowhere near town. <laughs> I can't even say they got lost in their conversation because it was awkward small talk. They were like, oh yeah, the ball. I like dancing. Do, do you like dancing? Charlotte was just like following wherever Sydney was going and Sydney didn't even fully know where he was going. But it almost feels like he's taking her away to propose or like, well, you know, what's the purpose of him going out into this very private space where no one could possibly see them? We are 11 minutes into this episode. It's nothing. And that's when Sydney leans in and he kisses Charlotte. Holy smokes. We weren't expecting that so early in the episode. But it's happening. I mean, it's happening, but you hear that minor chord in the song and you're like, (laughs) oh, this does not mean a happily ever after in any way. Happily ever after is when it happens at the very end of the episode. We're just beginning. Yeah, I mean, you're like, what could possibly happen after this point? You really expect that the final kiss and proposal to come into like the lust. 10 minutes of this episode. There's still so much, I mean, there's so much unresolved still. You're like, how could these two possibly end up together? That minor chord just hurts every time (laughs) when you watch it. 
And then after this, I think pretty much all the drama ensues at or after the Midsummer Night's Ball. Yeah, I do like that. With all the different stories the elders are giving, Mary tells Charlotte that she's like, oh yeah, Tom proposed to me at a ball. Not really saying it for any real reason. Like she doesn't know anything's going on between her and Sydney. Or maybe she does. Maybe she's more in tune than even she's leading on to be. But I love that she just like drops that bit of info. And so like we as the audience then are maybe anticipating that potentially that proposal will happen uh, at the ball. Even though Sydney has, we know that he is into Charlotte and now Charlotte knows that he's into Charlotte. It's like, well, what what's going to happen? So Georgiana inquires with Sydney, like, what are your intentions with Charlotte? I feel like someone's got to be asking these questions because he's just been letting her, like, I don't want to say he's been stringing her along, but they've just had such a hot and cold relationship this whole time that it's like, for a long time, we didn't even know if Sydney liked Charlotte as a person. And now that we know that he has feelings for her, it's like, is he going to pursue those feelings? Or is he just going to keep her trapped in this like middle area where she's like, do I try and pursue something with him? Do I try and pursue something with Stringer? Do I just leave? Do I live my life? What do I do? You know? I think he has been stringing her along though, because I think at first he was like, oh, this young farm girl and like almost trying to play with her a little bit and like messing with her, especially with like, you know, scolding her at first. But then he started to get to know her and he was like starting to show interest in her and being around her more, but never fully committing to anything. So he has kind of been leading her on and almost almost in the way that then you could almost do the parallel between Lady Denham's story and Charlotte of like this older, richer man who every so often would look at her or tell her something or kind of give her the idea that there might be something more never fully amounted to anything more. Is this the same fate that Charlotte is going to go through? Throughout the dance, you see Sydney and Charlotte almost coming together and then for different reasons getting pulled apart. So either Sydney will be the kind of going to towards Charlotte and then Tom takes him away. She's about to go again and then Mary distracts him and during one of those times Stringer takes her away and dances with her and I think at this point Stringer fully knows like all right she's not into me. She's fully into Sydney and he even expresses like you know hope everything goes well between you two even though again he's never expressed his feelings like so he was never like in the running but he's being the supportive friend that she needs right now which is encouraging her that yes it can happen and hope everything goes well. I mean, I think that what I one of the things I like about him is he seems like a very emotionally mature young man. You're right, he never like really expressed his feelings to Charlotte. I do think part of him thought that his feelings for Charlotte were much more obvious than they were, but I think it shows a great deal of maturity that like, you know, he's spent like half of this season really with a huge crush on Charlotte and she did not even a little bit reciprocate and he's totally okay with it. He's like, you know what? I'm pursuing this new opportunity in London. I'm happy for this nice young girl and the romance that's blossoming between her and Sydney. And I'm not going to be jealous or upset about it, that it's not me that she wants, that it's Sydney. Yeah. And it's different to see a non-jealous man in this this show. (laughs) He's like, you know what? I've got other opportunities. I'm going to go to London. But... Sadly, while the dance is happening, um, we are also cutting back and forward between Stringer's father, who had stayed very late in the uh, construction site and was still working on some stuff. And he has a heart attack. And because there's all these different candles around, it seems like he knocks one of the candles over and 
Well, actually, we end on just seeing the heart attack and that's really it. And we're like, oh no, because there's no one. I mean, every, literally everyone is at this ball. There's no one who could possibly know what's going on there. He's also like on a construction site. So it's not like anyone could live in the building and like know what happened. I want to point out in my real world. So like all the candles I own are like safely in jar type structures. And all of them come with labels saying, don't ever leave this candle unattended. And I've always been really paranoid about that in the real world. And I always see old timey movies where they're living like in straw wood huts and candle is their only light source. And I'm just like, no one leave the kit. Like it gives me a heart attack. Just like thinking about all the candles that probably burned down a ton of things back in the day. What ends up happening is one of the candles gets knocked over and starts a fire. Which like takes a while for people to find out about because again, no one's around. So no one could have possibly known a bit though before we get to that point, which I mean, that's the second thing that disrupts this whole night and this whole ball. The first thing that disrupts everything is Edward. Babington has picked up on the fact that Sydney is really into Charlotte because of the fact that he hasn't taken his eyes off of her this entire night. Because even though he should be thinking about Eliza, he's stuck on Charlotte. I think this is the first time someone has picked up on like, oh, he has feelings for Charlotte and is even like in encouraging him to propose because he's also planning on proposing to Esther. Finally, even though they've kept missing each other throughout this night, they end up on the same balcony where he was mean to her and he acknowledges that. And Sydney just like gives this long, drawn out proposal. I've never wanted to put myself in someone else's power before. I've never wanted to care for anyone but myself. I say would. Charlotte. Edward just ruins everything, is drunk, he comes in and disrupts the entire ball and reveals everything really about the weird step-sibling relationship he and Esther had of saying like, you love me, I love you, what are we doing? And so obviously that's incredibly awful and embarrassing for everyone involved. You've disrupted the most important proposal of this show. He, we cannot forgive this man ever. Nope. I mean, didn't like him ever. Didn't have plans on forgiving him. Now forgiving him in any capacity is not on the to-do list. Now because of that, Sydney has to take Edward away, make sure like he goes away and never comes back basically. So the proposal doesn't happen. I feel like it was very symbolic how it happened on the very balcony where they first had a real conversation and he was just like chewed her out and we hated his guts. And now so much has happened between them and we want them to be together. And I also just think about poor Esther and how she was finally allowing herself to be happy. And then her brother just comes in and destroys everything by outing her biggest, probably most shameful secret of all. Because at first, Babington was like, I understand that your brother's been controlling you and and he's been manipulating you. But everyone else in Sanditon didn't know that the reason she allowed herself to be manipulated that way is because she was in love with him. And now she's like, well, I wasn't really deserving of love before. He really isn't going to want me now because I'm some freak who was in love with my brother. Yeah. And I mean, she has a moment where she looks at Lady Denham of like, now you know, and like, they don't really know what to say to each other. So Esther runs out. Babington comes after her. And this is the moment where she's like, now you know, now you know everything. Why would you ever want someone who's disgraced in this way? And he's like, you don't get it. 
I don't care about any of that. He tells her like he likes her the way she is. And like, even though she hasn't thought like she deserved a man like Babington, I think all the different things in like the recent events have finally convinced her that like, you know what? Yes, I am worthy of love and I am worthy of someone like Babington who is going to be good to me. Now she's more of a free woman and she can formulate these thoughts on her own. She is choosing Babington, which is the first time she's said anything kind of nicer to him. (laughs) And even he's surprised. He's like, wait, you're saying yes, that worked. (laughs) It worked. That was enough. You're enough. I'm enough. Everything is enough. And we're so happy for them. Bam! There's a fire. Like, at first it was just a heart attack. And we're like, no, Stringer's old, old Stringer. And now the whole building complex. Arthur and his sister who discovered the fire, they gather up people to try to put it out. But this is a small town. Are they equipped to handle a large fire like this? No possible way. Even like a bigger town, like this fire just engulfed this building. So there's no way. Poor young Stringer finds out about the fire. He rushes home in hopes his dad is there and not his worst fear, which is confirmed that his father was still in the building when the fire happened. At first we were sad because he didn't get Charlotte. And now not only has he lost his father, but he lost his father right before they had the biggest fight of their relationship. Now he can never apologize. He can never tell his dad how much he really means to him. Hopefully he will sort of grow from these ashes. Oh, that's sad. (laughs) That Um, is really sad. And vice versa. I mean, his dad never fully accepted his son for being an accomplished young man. Like he could have achieved more and there's more that his father could have done to really encourage him, but that'll never happen either. So it's really kind of bad all around of leaving on these bad terms. The next day, I mean, after this fire, Charlotte goes to check on Stringer. Obviously things are rough. It's literally the next day. And at the site of the fire, which now is thankfully out and the Parker siblings are all talking, kind of what next, you know, at least we and Sydney's like, foolishly, at least we have insurance, right, Tom? (laughs) And Tom's like, so glad you asked. Um, (laughs) The insurance was too expensive. So I didn't get it. So we are 100% uninsured. And we and Lady Denim are out 80,000 pounds, which is so much money. I used uh, one of those inflation calculators. So it would be roughly just under 7 million pounds. I'm shaking my head right now because I'm just like, you always get the insurance. That's just the rule. It's, it's, and I'm just, ugh, Tom Parker and like the whole, all the Parker siblings are freaking out and they're like, okay, let's all well, just try no, not to I kill mean, Tom. Arthur, Arthur's like, well, we just got to keep moving forward. I'm like, what? <laughs> Sydney at least has like the real reaction of like, what could you have possibly been thinking not getting insurance and taking that gamble? Yep. And Arthur's like, you know what, brother? you can have my inheritance. And I'm like, you you poor dumb young man. Uh, I mean, what is he going to live off of then? Like he's clearly not, Arthur is also not thinking about his future because he's going to give away his inheritance to a city that is barely staying afloat. I don't know if that's wise. Tom is just feeling such heaping amounts of guilt because he knows that he did the wrong thing in a really big way. It could not be worse than what it is. Now he's like dug himself an incredible debt, his siblings, a Lady Denim, anyone who's ever believed in him, he's essentially let down. I think this is sort of his siblings 
remembering that like Tom is their brother. He's usually very responsible. He made a mistake, but he it's because he wanted to build this town. It was part of his legacy. So they're willing to chip in whatever money they can get their hands on because they're a family. They're in the worst spot of their life financially and they will never recover, but they're going to try. We as an audience haven't seen any hints of Tom being responsible, but we just kind of have to take Arthur's word for it in a way that they are still going to continue trusting their brother. We don't know about their parents. We don't know about their upbringing and like what happened to like... (laughs) drive them to like pull all their money together or at least you know be there to support each other for this town and move here they all came from london and they're all at least here for now tom and the rest of the parker siblings go to lady denim and they're like just want to let you know we lost all of your money in that fire but we're gonna get it back and she's like you're an idiot she basically freaks out at him the way that he's freaked out on himself sydney demands that like she give them a grace period of a week to Go, for him to go to London oh, right. to try and find more money. And then that brings us to him with Charlotte saying, we'll finish this conversation when I get back. Which imagine like you have a week to find $7 million. Like I don't <laughs> can That's imagine. An imp- I think they were being really unrealistic when they're like, give me a week. I feel like that's its own little movie of just like Sydney for a week in London trying to secure 7 million pounds <laughs> or, you know, 80,000 pounds. But like it's- In today's money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You could give me an entire lifetime and I would not successfully <laughs> amass 7 million pounds. But you know what? You know who does have all that money? Ex-girlfriends have that kind of money. So Sydney comes back and he uh, tells Charlotte that he did intend to propose to her. Is that the right move? I don't know because like I guess she kind of knew to expect it but the fact that he confirmed like I was going to propose is tough to hear. The fact is I've been obliged to engage myself to Mrs. Eliza Campion. Please believe me that if there was any other way to resolve Tom's situation I would. I understand. So we find out that he's engaged to Eliza and Charlotte's heartbroken. Someone who did get married though is Esther and Babington. We're wrapping it up at the end here, but they really get the happiest ending out of everyone because, you know, everyone is at the church, happy to see them. They're like in bed together the next morning and she's like, I forgot where I was. I'm so happy. And they're just gonna live a happy little life together with the money and each other and no Edward. Yeah, she really had like this incredible story arc throughout this entire season, entire show, because she started out just being unfortunately under the control of someone else and now she's free and happy. I don't think she anticipated getting to have like this happy ending because she didn't think she was deserving of it. And she is, and she's got it. And so everything is getting wrapped up at the end here. We even see that Edward and Clara get a goodbye to each other. She's like, you know, honestly, I feel really bad for you because you had stuff and you lost it. I at least never had this stuff to begin with. And it's weird because like Clara, it sounds like she's always been poor and she's had a really hard life, but like she's used to being scrappy. So she's like equipped to go forward without money. Whereas Edward is this lazy, domesticated animal who now has to fend for himself and he's just not prepared. Yeah, and I like that Clara leaves off. I'm like, I'll spare you a thought. I know you're gonna constantly be thinking about me. (laughs) 
I didn't like Clara either, but I hated Edward more, and so I'm kind of glad that she left him with that. So another wrap-up we get is Charlotte officially saying goodbye to young Stringer. Things between them are officially never going to happen. With all the goodbyes that are happening, Charlotte is also going back home. She's not going to stay in Sanditon forever. Whatever season she was here for is finally over. She's doing her rounds and saying goodbye, and we find out from Stringer that he isn't taking the apprenticeship that he should take still. He's going to stay there to honor or his father. I know, and it's, it's sweet. Like, part of me, like, really wishes he would go and take that apprenticeship, but, like, you know, I feel like he's probably done a lot of soul-searching since losing his father, and if he thinks that this is the right thing, then this is the right thing. I am kind of, it interests me why for the purposes of the show, obviously Charlotte is leaving because it's the end of the show, but what's interesting to me is she didn't go to Sanditon with any real purpose. I feel like she went to help see that, like, she kind of went to be part Tom's assistant, part housekeeper child rearer with Mary. She kind of found those jobs along the way though. So it was really like she kind of showed up into this town to just be there. And it was really again like the thanks for saving Tom in in his broken ankle situation. Not even broken, just like sprained. And maybe like just the stay ended up being longer than anticipated because she ended up finding different things to really like plug herself into and became part of the town. I know and I guess that's why like it almost surprises me a little that she's leaving because I feel like Sanditon needs her now more than ever because like they're gonna rebuild you know like I feel like it's gonna be double overtime on everything and like I do think it is the Sydney thing the broken heart thing that is sending her on her way yeah because I mean Arthur and his sister also leave so I wonder if it's like the end of the season because we just went through like a bunch of big events right we had like the annual regatta we had the, the ball we had like the cricket match like we saw all these big events happening and now it seems like it's going to be downtime, I guess, or maybe it's not the touristy time in Sanditon. Everyone's kind of going home. I know, but like, this isn't the tourist crowd. This is the crowd that literally has to rebuild the burned down building. I would think that they'd want to like, go into double overtime to like fix it before the next season. Yeah, but I guess I don't know what Charlotte would do there then. Like, she's not like she can be help build anything. So that's true. Again, like we don't get like the full reasoning of like why Charlotte stayed for so long. Like what her parents think of her being there is too. We did get like this one glimpse into her writing to her sister, um, which then I guess we assume she had been writing letters this whole time. But maybe it was just time for her to go back home. Like we don't get like a real reason we just have to assume like it was time and we also don't get a goodbye with Georgiana yeah that's something in our interview with uh Crystal Clark she mentioned or we had asked like why didn't we see a goodbye and that was something they wondered too <laughs> why You're like, didn't... Well, I don't know. yeah because last time they spoke to each other Charlotte was like I don't know what to do about Sydney and she, Georgiana was like well Sydney sucks so you shouldn't be so heartbroken about him <laughs> and that's the last time they hung out it feels like in the first half of the season and we saw like this really nice friendship between them. And then in the second half, uh, we kind of forgot about it or we, we lost our way a little bit. So it's sad that we lost some of that friendship in the second half, but also we didn't get to see them say goodbye. Well, it's interesting because Charlotte's in the carriage on her way out of Sanditon. It's our last like three minutes of the episode. And suddenly she stops and it's like, why are we stopped? Something stopped the carriage. Who or what could this thing have been to stop the carriage? It's Sydney 
Parker, he comes up to her and then we're like, oh my gosh, did he like decide that he couldn't do it? He couldn't marry her? And he's just like, I hope you don't hate me. What? He's like, I don't love Eliza, but I am still marrying her. I just wanted to say goodbye to you. Even Charlotte's like, you shouldn't tell me that. Like, you shouldn't tell me that you're not in love with your fiance. And it feels like really the reason Sydney did this was to kind of help close the chapter on the two of them and maybe feel resolved in his own heart. But he's now just keeping the wound open for Charlotte. (laughs) Like, he's doing more harm than good in this situation. Like, this Mm -hmm. final conversation is helping no one. So now she has to go back forever with the knowledge that he's not going to ever love her. He's now really in a way able to move on. So he continues to mess with this poor young Charlotte. And I don't know why they ended it in that way. But that's literally the last thing we see. No one's happy. No, obviously, Esther and Babington, they're happy. They're great. But like Stringer, not happy. Charlotte, not happy. Sydney, not happy. (laughs) So we just got a lot of storylines that end uh, that don't end on the happily ever after that we're used to with Austin adaptations. I know. Well, and that's what's so crazy about this because it's not a full Austin adaptation because like she only wrote 11 chapters of this book. What she wrote got us through half the pilot. Everything else was invented by TV writers. By Andrew Davies, yeah. And I mean I get wanting to create your own ending, but why not create an ending that's still in line with something Austin would have written which is the happily ever after and having whether it's, you know, Charlotte and Sydney, likely them, or Charlotte and and, uh, Stringer being together. That's something that unfortunately we'll just never know what Austin's where she which direction she would have gone in again I think we had the the theory early on of like maybe Sydney was the villain maybe he was awful from the whole from the start and he just would have been like the awful character we end on unhappy endings I have thoughts I have many feelings I can tell you none of them are pleasant about the way that things ended but I think that's one of the reasons why there have been this group of fans so dedicated to begging for a season two because like the only thing we can assume the reason why they gave everyone such an unhappy ending in season one is they're just unhappy for now and maybe things will get better in the next incarnation of this show I guess you could say like they planned it that way so that maybe there there was the open and chance of a season Season two to help like put them back together. So maybe it could have been like what season two would have been is that somehow, some way, Tom Parker gets the money a different way. That means Sydney doesn't have to marry Eliza, and then he breaks up the engagement, and then he goes back to Charlotte. But maybe she's now back at home and living her life. And what would that dynamic look like? A season two, I guess, would have helped to resolve some things because like what even would have been bringing Charlotte back to Sanditon? So there's a lot of open questions that will um will likely never get resolved. <laughs> so Nope, nope, that's fine. I'm not I'm not mad. I'm just angry. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> By the way, I think it's fine for us to be angry at this ending. Yeah, absolutely. I, think- <laughs> I, I like it's not like I've talked to someone who's watched the show and was like, yeah, I was so into that. Like, I have not heard of a single person who's happy with it. So if the idea of everyone was to create something that would definitely generate a lot of conversations, heated conversations, they succeeded. It is also like a man's perspective on Austin, even though Andrew Davies like did Pride and Prejudice 
this, he was taking a completed work. Now he's taking a work that it was open-ended and this was his interpretation of Austin. When you let someone who maybe is trying to like turn the world upside down, this is what happens. And I feel like the ending has a lot to do with, because like think about at the beginning of this when we first heard they were making a Sanditon. They're like, we're making it dark and sexy and you get to look into all of those aren't like huge Austin themes either. I think they deliberately took a sexier turn. And part of that is like some people get their hearts stomped all over, you know? And so I I feel like it's part of a greater shift in like, let's make hot television rather than let's make a true and honest Austin adaptation, you know? Which uh, if you do want to see a true great Austin adaptation, (laughs) go watch Emma. Yeah. Love that movie. Listen, there's no great way to end. I know. I'm not going to be, we don't have something nice and like sentimental to tie this up. So that's, I mean, the ending of Sanditon. Thank you all for tuning in and riding on this journey with us. We would love to know your thoughts. So feel free to DM us or tweet us or email us. You have all of our information and we will be back soon. Bye.